we have gone through the second psalm and the eighth psalm called Messianic Psalms. Today we're going to start and hopefully go through the 16th psalm. A lot of people believe this is dealing with David particularly and the sorrows that he faced in life and certainly David was a man of many sorrows. He's a man of war, had so much trouble in his family, his own people against him. At times, yet God ordained him king over Israel and his heart was right with God. We find to mention that real quick because I also believe this is a Messianic psalm and we can apply much of this to David as he penned it. I'm going to read you, but it's also speaking about the Lord. Read you a text out of 1 Peter to give you an idea maybe of what David was prophesying of, or he was a prophet, verse 10, 1 Peter chapter 1, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, which prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which is in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things angels desire to look into. Those men of God were moved to the Spirit of God. I believe through Scripture that many of them did not understand or realize the fullness of what they were preaching at that time. It was not given to men at that time to understand. It's given today in the church and grace to the Spirit of God. Saying that to make the point that although this may be pertaining to David, in this psalm, it's also entirely about the Lord Jesus Christ. This psalm, this psalm, this poem, whichever you wish to call it, I think it's a song, it's a psalm they were sung in praise to God, <clears throat> declares the righteousness of Christ. It's, if you read in your scripture, it's called a mitchtum. The word pertains to a monument when a person, or a king rather, not a person, when a king would conquer, they would erect an altar as a testimony that the king had conquered his enemy. Now this text is about the church, the elect of God, and the death, burial, resurrection of the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the witness. He is the pillar that's laid. He's called an ensign in Isaiah's writings to testify unto us of God and of Himself who hath defeated Satan and the devil and all things that are against God. He begins, preserve me, O God. We can read David's writings inspired by the Holy Ghost and the history of God's people in the Old Testament and we can find David and that God chose him and that God ordained him. He's a man of God's own heart. Well, good for David, one might say, and I will agree with that, but you must understand the Lord fashions the heart. So give the glory to that to the Lord Jesus Christ, for He is the only way in which God works in His sacrifice, in His love, in the covenant made before the world was. Purpose of God. People say God had a plan. God has a purpose. David cried, preserve me. You already mentioned it. He had all the things in his family all the things in Israel, all the things of his enemies around him, persecuted himself by the king of Israel before him, Saul. And it is understandable 
at least in my mind, to see where David would pray to God, preserve me. We have no other help but God. We stand in this world, in the darkness of this world, 8, 10, 12 people here most times. We're able to fellowship with God because God has preserved us. We're able to fellowship with God because God loves us and God gives us an understanding of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And through that we have peace in this world. We may get into that more later. But we can certainly understand how God is our only preserving one. He's our only help. And the psalmist is praying unto God. David is praying to God, preserve me. But let us look at the Lord Jesus Christ. People think of Christ and He is the Creator of heaven and earth. He's the power of God. He's the wisdom of God. Everything we see and hear and understand of God comes from Him. He is the Son of God and He is all God. He bore witness to the Father. He's God manifest in the flesh. Peter said He's justified by the Spirit. The Spirit within Him and the works that He did, the people He gave sight, the sick that He healed, the dead He raised, and all He did in the Spirit of God justified Him to His people, to those that saw Him in the days He was alive upon this earth, that He was in fact God Himself manifest in the flesh. But He's also the Son of Man. He is also all man. Remember, God cannot suffer. God's justice demanded satisfaction. Whether it's for His people or whether it is for those that are left in their own state of nature. Christ, God cannot suffer. Christ came into the world as a man and being all man that He could suffer. Hebrews 4, Hebrews 2 teaches us that He was tempted as we are, but yet He was without sin. He suffered temptation. We see Him praying in the garden before He was taken and crucified, and He was in anguish. His soul, uh, I believe Luke 22 says, was in anguish to such a point that God sent an angel to minister to Him. Yes, He is the Son of God, but He is the Son of Man. He felt pain. He could suffer. Therefore, He is our Helper. Therefore, as man, he must have help from the Father. As he prayed, God sent an angel to comfort him, to minister unto him. When Christ was uh, tempted of Satan, I think Luke chapter 4 is one place, the Lord sent an angel to minister unto him. He was a man. He got tired. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He was all man. So as we go through this, as we go through this, you remember that, that, that He's the Son of God and He's the Son of David. He's the Son of Man. And He was able, as the Son of Man, to hurt and have pain. Now, God said, Behold my servant, Isaiah 42, whom I am uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth. This is the Christ. I have put my spirit upon Him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Now, as Christ prayed to the Father in the garden, as he prayed, Father, if it be willing, let this cup be removed from me. Nonetheless, not my will, but thine be done. Three times he prayed to the Father. And... God was His helper. The Father blessed the Son. The Spirit of God was in Him in fullness because He was a man who had no sin. 
Listen to verse 4 of Isaiah 42. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he has set judgment in the earth, and the isle shall wait for the law. He cannot fail. As Christ, and this psalm is about Christ, as the Son of God Himself, the Son of Man, all man, all God, cried out to the Father in heaven, not my will, but thine be done. And God preserved Him. God carried Him through that anguish. God carried Him through the crucifixion. God brought Him forth from the grave. He raised up His own body, for He is God. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to raise it up again by the Spirit of God. He was preserved. He says, preserve me, O God. He finished the work the Father gave Him to do. Preserve me, O God. We talked last week about God from the 8th Psalm. The Creator of heaven and earth, all that He is, His power, His wisdom, eternal. God's never learned anything. God's never forgotten anything. God's never planned anything. God purposed things and God's will will be done as it was in Christ. Christ was praying to the Father, Father, if it be Thy will, preserve me, O God. For in Thee, the Father in heaven, the man Christ, Jesus, the Lamb of God, do I put my trust. David could testify through all that he endured in life that his trust would be in God. When he came up in 1 Samuel 17 before the Goliath of Gath with the whole army of Israel at bay and they put Saul's armor upon him, he said, I don't need this. I don't trust this. I don't want this. The same God, one and only, living God, who delivered me from the bear and from the lion shall deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. And thee in God do I put my trust. That's an example for us. And as the creator of heaven and earth himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, all God and all man, had his trust in the Father. It's an example that we trust through all things we endure and see in this world. We trust. We have confidence in the purpose of God, in the election of grace, in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, oh my soul. Many different thoughts on that. I want you to notice as we go through this, David mentions lights of moon. He's praying at night. Oh my soul. Keep that thought with this. You ever lay awake at night and you can't sleep? You think about things, you, you think about your family, you think about the church, you may think about the trouble that society and our nation is in this day. And I don't want to get too deep in that. My concentration is on the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we lay awake and we think and we pray, from our very soul, let's go a step different, in the darkness of the world. There's no sun mentioned here. It's all the moon and the night. Through all the darkness of the world and all our meditations and prayers, seeking after God. How do we do that? In Christ, by Christ. Christ is God manifest in the flesh. He made us able to know God. He cleansed us. He died for us. He saved us. Oh, my soul, the entirety of our soul, our being, speaking of men in the world as David, my soul cries out to thee. I think it was Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, God in us, the hope of glory. But let's look at the Lord Jesus Christ as this man, this 
living Word of God who was made flesh, laid the glory of the Godhead aside, came to this dark, evil, sinful place that we live. Walked with us some 33 and a half years manifesting the power of God and the purpose of God to us. All that He did in life and in His death, burial, and resurrection. And His soul cried out to God for the purpose that God had sent Him for. Our very being, oh my soul, Thou art my Lord. Thou art my Lord. As Christ called the Father His Lord, as we call Christ our Lord. Thou art my Lord. Listen to this and think about last week. The nations are a drop in the bucket. We are counted as nothing, not just nothing, but less than nothing. What is less than nothing? It's like a, an empty bucket with a hole in it. There's nothing there. We're less than nothing. Pride, vanity before God. Thou art my Lord, my God, my Creator, David, from the flesh. Thou hast anointed me, King. Thou hast smiled upon thy servant's house. Thou hast promised my seed would sit upon the throne of Israel from Solomon to Christ, who sits forever. Thou art my Lord, my God, and my King. Christ said, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. The Father. A son is to obey the Father. Christ obeyed the Father. The covenant was made before the world was. Christ came into the world at the appointed time of God. Christ obeyed the Lord God. He is His Lord. My goodness, speaking of the man Jesus Christ. My goodness extendeth not to thee. We talked about this last week. Our righteousness are as filthy rags before God. They dare not appear before the throne of God. The best that we can do, even after we're born of the Spirit of God, the best that we can do, dare not appear before the throne of God except in the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ by the grace of Almighty God in heaven. Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee. David had nothing to plead to God but grace, but Christ. Christ. Now you listen to this very carefully. I'm not talking about the Son of God, part of Him, for He was all man and all God. But the man, Jesus Christ, who would suffer and bleed and die. My goodness extendeth not to thee. What is he saying? He is saying this, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. The covenant was made before the Father and the Son and sealed with the Holy Spirit. All this of God, all this of the Father and the covenant made in the Godhead. Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints. Catch this. Here's the elect of God. Here's the church of God. But to these saints that are in the earth, in the earth, living, walking, striving to worship by the grace of God, but to the saints that are in the earth, the sheep, God's people, I ask you in this dark world in which we live with madness and evil is called good and good is called evil and people relish in it. Why does this world still exist? Because the purpose of God is not complete. It will not be complete until death is destroyed. He's destroyed the power of death. When will death be destroyed? Rightly divide the word of truth. When the last promised heir of God, the last one the Father gave to the Son, is born of the Spirit of God, there shall not be another child that will have to be taken from death to life. Death will be totally destroyed. But to the saints that are in the earth, the children of God, and to the excellent, do you see what this pertains to? 
The excellent. What do you call kings and rulers? The excellency. What are God's people? They're kings and priests. Priests and kings. They worship God by His grace and favor and mercy. Therefore, they're priests. They're kings before because they rule over sin and death in the world. Didn't say we're perfect. Didn't say we didn't sin as long as this body stands and breathes there. It is sin by its very existence and there will be sin in me until I die. Hallelujah. God, take me now. Oh, Lord, I long to see the Lord. The excellent, the rulers, the kings of the earth, meaning God's children. David said, in whom is all my delight, it's not just David. I touched on this a time or two. I'm going to read it to you today so you can understand more, Lord willing, Proverbs 8. Where will I begin? I'll go to verse 23 and read to get to verse 31. I was set up from everlasting. Well, let me back up. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way before His works of old. What does that mean? That means the covenant was made, it was agreed to, it was made, it was sealed, it was purposed before God ever created the heaven and the earth. didn't say I was created for Christ is eternal. It says I was... God possessed Him. He possessed Him as His Son in the covenant to be our, the Lamb of God. In the beginning of His way before His works from old, I was set up as Lord in Christ from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were, there were no depths in the waters, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth, while as yet He had not made the earth or the fields or the highest part of the dust of the world. When He prepared the heavens, I was there. When He set a compass, He won't proof the world's round. When, I, when He set a compass upon the face of the depth, when He established the clouds above, when He strengthened the fountains of the deep, when He gave to the sea His decree that the waters should not pass His commandment, when He appointed the foundations of the earth, there I was by Him. There I was by Him. As one brought up with Him, and I was daily His delight, rejoicing always before Him. That's why Acts chapter 1 calls this His passion to suffer, bleed, and die to save His people from their sins. Rejoicing in the habitable part of the earth. Now catch this. And my delights were with the sons of men. God's children. David says, But to the saints that are in the earth to the excellent, in whom is all my delight. God's people, the nation of Israel, was David's delight because they belonged to the Lord he loved. Christ... For the joy that was set before him endured. Huh, huh, oh well, I endured that. Endured the cross. Despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. He saw the travail of his soul. It pleased the Lord to blew him. He saw his seed. Christ's joy of his people. The delight of of God's people. Those the Father gave Him. Those He died for. Those He will raise up and carry to heaven and immortal glory. Now, regarding worship, because that's our purpose, their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. This is speaking of those that do not know God. And yes, a child of God can be carried away. Until he's born of the Spirit of God, he does not know God. Until he is born of the Spirit of God, he is not in possession of eternal life. When God quickens him and writes his law upon his inward part, then he's in possession of eternal life. It will come at some point between conception and death. And we know that because it's in the purpose of God. But primarily speaking, 
of those left in their state of nature, and you'll see why their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. In the law, they could not, they were told to not even talk about or call the name of the other gods, little g and an s. Their sorrow shall be multiplied. Catch that? Those who did not serve God are in deep sorrow. If they're not, it is coming because God is God and He demands that He is worshipped. We, by the grace of God, being the elect of God, it is given unto us to know God and to worship God. Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God, little g. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer. You remember talking about, we're going through Revelation and maybe Acts 2, if memory serves me correctly, their blood. They would drink the blood, even in Genesis. They would kill one. They would drink his blood to, to signify their total victory. I don't think that's what it's talking about. The blood the Jews shed and all their sacrifices of all their animals combined with all their murders and killings of God's people, they caused their seed to pass through the fire unto Melech. They murdered each other. You read the Old Testament. While there was an Israel, just about all they did was fight even fighting Judea after the tribes, ten and a half tribes left. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer. I believe this goes primarily to the blood sacrificed in the law. Jesus would not offer that to God. That did not save anyone. That did not roll sins forward for another year. All that did was bring to remembrance that all men are depraved by their very nature. There could be no salvation by the law. It took grace. It took the Lamb of God. It took the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Christ says, Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, for He offered Himself to the Father, not to you, not to me, nor take up their names into my lips, not mentioning the other gods. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. We find in the Old Testament where the Lord divided the land of Canaan up by lots to the children of Israel. Leviticus 18, I believe, is where he teaches us that the priesthood would not have an inheritance in the land because God was their inheritance. Now we, our inheritance is God in Christ. But we were given inheritance. And you've got an inheritance here. You ever notice how most churches are divided up into families? This family, that family, that family. Uh, five miles first come to mind. The kitchen's been there since I've known them. Hartsfields, Winslet's been here forever and ever and ever. The hands used to be families. And our lines are divided by lot. God gives to us our inheritance by lot. And David says that, and there's great joy in it. But let's go to Deuteronomy 32 and let's see. You'll find that the Lord inheritance is His people. Jacob is the lot of His inheritance. Psalm 2, He said, remember going through this a few weeks ago, ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. What does that say? That is saying that Jacob, Israel, the spiritual Israel of God, Jew and Greek, Jew and Gentile, are the heritage of the Lord. They belong to Him. He died for them. The Father gave them to Him. And He will raise them up. They are His people. They are His inheritance. 
The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. Christ, this is His portion. And of my cup, the cup which I drinketh, death, burial, resurrection. Thou maintainest my lot. Do you understand it is maintained of God the Father? He shall not fail nor be discouraged. Everyone contained in the covenant of grace will be raised up. Don't care who they are, male, female, old, young, died the womb. Methuselah, as old as he was, every child of God will be raised up. Methuselah won't be old. The child won't be young. In the perfection of health to stand with God in heaven and immortal glory forever. Nothing can take that away. Thou maintainest my life. The lines are falling unto me in pleasant places, I would say so. We have this understanding in the kingdom of God. We have this understanding by the Spirit of God. We have this understanding with, from, with, and through Christ in the kingdom. It's written upon our heart in Christ. Yes, I would say these are pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord. Many of David's psalms and his sorrows and his heartaches and his tribulations and trials. I will bless the Lord. He praised the Lord in tribulation. He praised the Lord as he fled from persecution, even from his own family. He praised the Lord in deliverance. There's David. Now you see Christ who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death sent into this world again. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will but the will of Him that sent me. This is my Father's will. Blessing the Lord, facing all the fact of the people of the physical nation of Judea hating Him, desiring to kill Him, nailing Him to the cross, beating Him, having Him scourged, nailing Him to the cross, delivering Him up. Everything entailed in His death and burial. All the suffering of Him in the garden as He prayed, Father, if it be willing, let this cup be removed from Me. Nonetheless, not My will, but Thine be done. Going forward in the work of God, blessing the Lord God, knowing that the work that He was going to finish would please the Lord, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, the Godhead, and would be glorified the same in deity, the same in power. And He went straight ahead not leaving any undone. That work was finished. That work is finished. That work always will be finished. He now sits at the right hand of the Majesty on high forever making intercession for the saints. That does not mean He's being crucified over and over again. That means He paid that sin debt one time. It's finished. It's final in His blood. And He sits there in glory at the right hand of the majesty. That debt is paid forever. He stands in the glory of Almighty God. Return unto me the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Certainly, He's glorified. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. David blessed the Lord. We bless the Lord, or try to, because He gives us counsel. He gives us knowledge. He writes His law upon our inward parts. We see Jesus high and lifted up upon the cross of Calvary between two men. The one on his right hand. Yes, I believe he's on his right hand because he's going to set the sheep on his right hand. 
This text teaches us the right hand is a place of power. And God's people are saved by the power of the blood of the Son of God. They stand in the power of God. The power of God keeps them in this world. The power of His Christ. Now is come salvation, He said. And the strength, the power of His Christ. And we're in that. Certainly that old thief, that male factor, was at the right hand and the one on the left who never turned to God because it was not given him to be turned to God. Depart from me, you cursed and everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Do you remember where the mother of the sons of thunder asked the Lord, to let her sons, one sit on the right hand, one on the left. And he just basically told her, that's for to whom it is given. That's to whom my Father gave. My Father gave. My Lord, my God, the man Jesus Christ. That's who my Father gave. We'll sit there. Again, again, he'll say to the sheep, he'll set them on his right hand. He'll set the goats on the left. You'll have a hard time convincing me that thief the Lord touched and said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. You'll have a hard time convincing me he's not on the right hand. Back to the text, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. Christ was given counsel from the Father. We're given counsel. We have preaching. We have worship. We have study. Private study, meditation, prayer, counsel from God. Peace. And Christ is the counselor. But you make no mistake about it, when the Son of Man walked through this world in the body of a man which was able to suffer and hurt and die, well, he laid his life down, but he died. The Lord gave him counsel. The Lord in heaven gave him counsel. This was the Father's purpose. This was the covenant which was made. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reigns also instruct me in the night seasons. Again, laying on your bed praying at night when you don't sleep. And again, in the seasons of darkness and at night, we're in night. We're in darkness in this world. <clears throat> Saw a picture a day or so ago somewhere on the internet in Alabama. It's a big, pretty church. <clears throat> Old church. Hadn't been painted in 40 years, looked like. Still pretty. It was taken from the ground up at an angle so you could see the heaven. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Behind and over the church, all the stars in the darkness declaring the handiwork of God, declaring the glory of God in the nighttime when it's dark. The reigns of God... God gives us answers when we lay awake and pray in these times of darkness. We find that Christ many times went unto the Mount of Olives and prayed. And the Scripture says He prayed all night. We can pertain this to David, but we can plainly see Christ. We can plainly see Jesus Christ. We can plainly see our Savior, our Lord, our Creator, our God, our Redeemer, the Son of God and the Son of Man who came to this world and suffered and bled and died because of His great love, His passion for the sons of God. My reigns also instruct me in the night seasons. I tell you, as He was in the garden praying, before Judas came and betrayed him with a kiss. You want to talk about his physical pain? The anguish and the sorrow. Yet God gave him counsel. This is my beloved son. My reigns also struck me in the night seasons. 
I have set thee, Lord, always before me. This certainly speaks of David. Always seeking and striving in this body of sin through all the turmoil, all the sorrow, all the war and blood and battles and all of the anguish of his soul and his sin. Striving to see the Lord and want the Lord. But you make no mistake about it, and I've got to move. You make no mistake about it. Christ set the Lord always before Him. His Father's will. Everything He said, everywhere He went, every step He took, everything He laid His hand to, this is the Father's will. John said the works He did, there's not a book big enough, it would not even the world would not contain it. Of all that Christ did and said, all in the purpose of God, all in the will of God, for He set the Lord before Him. Let us take example of that, beginning with me. Because He is at my right hand. Because He is my power. My power is God. Not for my sake, not for my benefit, for the benefit of the Lord Jesus Christ whom God has raised up above others. As Christ said, God the Father is my power. So we say Christ is our power. Let all glory be to Him. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. That comes from another psalm. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Peter speaking. On the day of Pentecost, after the Spirit of God was poured out, chapter 2, verse 22, You men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, who do we worship? A man, catch that, a man, flesh and blood, who suffers and has pain, approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by Him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken Him by wicked hands of crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, God raised him from the dead. He said, I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to raise it up again. That's the Son of God. But this is the Son of Man who died. And by the way, these people that said where he, the pains of hell would not hold him or he went into hell... That's what it was. He went into hell. He didn't go into hell. Christ's soul never went into hell. He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. When he... Spirit left that body straight into the realm of glory. Did it go back with the Father? That body was laid in a grave. That's the hell spoken of. He did not go into hell. They get this stuff. Christ went into spirits in prison. Let's talk about those today of Noah who were about to die because God was going to flood the earth, destroy everything that had the breath of life in it. And Christ went to them and Christ preached to them and Christ gave them life the same way He does by the Spirit of God because they had to be changed and born of the Spirit to be fit to stand in heaven in immortal glory when they died because they were all sinners. And God does everything the same way in Christ. Whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held up. Did you catch that? Death could not hold him. It was not possible. He laid his life down. We couldn't kill him. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. Here we go. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Now that is David. Therefore did my heart rejoice. And my tongue was glad, moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy thy countenance. Okay. That was David, but he's speaking of Christ. He says that in verse 31. 
He's seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in hell the grave neither did his flesh see corruption Lazarus was four days in the grave he began to stink Christ was three days in the grave he saw no corruption and that's speaking of Christ let's take one quick point or two They will not leave my soul in hell that's the grave nor thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption that is Christ the holy one of God that name was given him in Luke chapter 1. Thou hast made known unto me the ways of life. What is he saying? Well, the preacher preaches about the way of life. By the grace of God, yes, he does. But let me have you understand this. Jesus Christ laid his life down. He raised it up again. The man, Jesus Christ, God suffered him to die and God raised him up. God made unto him the ways of life because God took him from death and took him to heaven in immortal glory, made known unto him the ways of life, the first begotten from death to glory, the first begotten Son of God. Thou art my Son this day when He came forth from the grave. Have I begotten thee? Thou hast made me to know the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Joy to the joy that was set before Him. Acts 13, and I need to move. Very briefly, I'll start in verse 32, Paul speaking, And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, and that He hath raised up Jesus again. It's the resurrection of the Son of God. Muhammad the pedophile is dead. Confucius, all these other pagan gods, Baal, they're all dead. They don't exist. They're all dead and gone, made with men's hands. Christ came forth from the grave. Why seek ye the living <laughs> among the dead? He's not in that tomb. And it's concerning that he raised him from up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. You want proof he's talking about Christ. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid in his fathers and saw corruption. But he, Christ, whom God raised again, saw no corruption. Where are we at? 16th Psalm, it's time to close. Therefore, my heart is glad. Let me back up. I've set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. He's my power. I shall not be moved. That is Christ. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. David's heart's glad. Our hearts are glad. Christ, the man, is glad because for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame. His passion to love, to die for His people. His passion to do the Father's will. And my glory rejoices. The tongue, Peter, Acts 2, the tongue my glory, speaking of Christ, rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Catch that. My flesh in the grave shall rest in hope. Isaiah 57. I can think not of a better example. 1, 2, and 3. The righteous perisheth. And no man laugh at the heart. And merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. Now catch this. He shall enter into peace. You want to know what's in the grave? It's peace. He sleepeth. He sleepeth. He's in peace. They shall who? The dead. The righteous that are dying. They shall rest in their peace. Beds. The body rests 
in the ground. I don't care if they died 2,000 years ago and their body was upon the top of the ground and all their dust is scattered across the face of the earth. Everything in creation is created of God. He knows where each atom, each cell of every living being is. And as he spoke the world into existence from nothing, he will gather the bodies of his people together and bring to him and gather the bodies of the wicked uh, and punish them. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds. Now this is what is amazing also. While they're resting in their beds, each one, each one, every one of you that loves God, when we leave this world, the body will rest in the bed in hope of the resurrection, the manifestation of the sons of God. Each one walking in his uprightness. The body is in the ground. The soul is with Christ. It's not sleeping. It's walking the uprightness of God. Therefore my heart is glad. Yes, it is. And my glory rejoices. My flesh shall also rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. I remember Brother Hand sitting standing here one day talking about a black child that had died and he was like nine years old and he went to the funeral and he was so sorrowful. And he said, you know, and this is not Bible, this is a song, but it's a, a very good song. This old song by the Primitive Quartet in the 70s called Sleeping in the Grave. The Lord won't leave me sleeping in the grave. The Lord will not leave you sleeping in the grave. But this is talking of Christ. Thou will not leave my soul in hell, the grave, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. His body did not decay. Thou wilt show me the path of life. God raised him from death. In thy presence is fullness of joy. You want to know where Christ is at the right hand of the majesty of high in the presence of the Father and the Holy Spirit in fullness of joy. I'm talking about the man, Jesus Christ, who's also the Son of God. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand in the power of God, that's where we stand. There are pleasures forevermore. They will never, <laughs> ever end. As massive, that's, a, that's not the wrong word because they're great, as the pleasures of God are in this world, we cannot imagine when we see His face.